1: See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Patrick. Enzo. So
0: Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in
2: February. This is NFL Friday going long on all news reaction and game picks for the giants jets
0: and across the nfl on wfuv sports hello everybody and welcome into this week's edition of nfl friday i'm julia moss joined in here by colin loughran and joe masters we have so much to talk about today the playoff race is heating up we had a crazy they have crazy-ish Thursday night game last night, but it is December 23rd. We're two days away from Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Before we get into football, guys, how have you guys been spending the Christmas holiday?
1: Well, you know, just uh, as usual with friends and family, happy Festivus to you both, by the way, for those who do observe, today is the Seinfeld holiday. But You're right, Julia, last night's game was crazy, maybe not in terms of what actually happened on the field, but just the ramifications that will come after that game. And even just watching, I was there, watching the crowd at MetLife Stadium go from 100 to about negative 2,000 was something to behold. So a lot to get into with the Jets, a lot of playoff races, teams that really have it all on the table this upcoming week. We'll have to see what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, that's been great as well. Thank you. Uh, for having me on and uh, just stood in a 20-minute line to get uh, holiday Christmas cookies. It's a little cold over here in D.C., so that was a little brutal, but uh, in the spirit. And uh, last night's game, I don't even know how you describe that. It was in, it was interesting, I'll say that for sure, uh, turning on the TV and seeing a four-string Chris strevler in there and obviously all the Zach Wilson headlines I'm sure we'll get into, um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and you make a good point about Lines in the holiday season. I'm in Memphis right now, and crazily enough, it is currently four degrees outside. Um, For those who don't know geography very well, Memphis is in Tennessee, right in the south. I couldn't tell you why the moment, like the day before I flew in, it was like 60 degrees, and the day after it was snowing, four degrees. All of my friends are saying I brought the cold with me, but it's been great. It's been awesome because coldness and Christmas kind of go hand in hand. So that's been great on the Christmas front. But we're gonna get right into last night's game to start off the start off the show here. The Jaguars beat the Jets last night by a score of nineteen to three. And my biggest takeaway takeaway from this game is Zach Wilson is just plainly bad at football. There is no other way around it. He's just not good. And his time before he got benched for the fourth string is. Joe mentioned he went nine for 18, 50 yards and a pick. And before I get into my opinions on the overall game, what were your takeaways from the Chets QB situation following this game?
1: Nothing new. I mean, we know this is what Zach Wilson is at this point. He's not a very good quarterback at the NFL level. He needs a whole lot of space to operate. In fact, the only times when he's able to break off a big player, when he rolls out of the pocket, has an immense amount of room and a wide open guy. Asking him to thread the needle like a Rodgers or a Brady or a Mahomes ain't going to happen. What's worse, defenses know that the Jets are going to be one-dimensional. They're going to try and run the ball from the get-go because of Zach Wilson's uh, uncapable ability <laughs> or uh, to, to really throw the rock anywhere. So early on, they were running it tonight. They were trying to get it to Carter. Nothing up the middle for the Jets was cooking with the run game. Wilson couldn't throw to save. It's like you mentioned the yardage. Horrible. Only completed 50% of his passes. Fourth string guy Strebler comes in there. He moved the ball more than Wilson did. A lot of people watching this game in the crowd go, who's out there now? Who's this? And suddenly Jets fans thought they had part two of Mike White for all of about five minutes. Obviously, they couldn't bring it to within a touchdown, which would have really helped the momentum of this game. But just it was like watching a plane crash. It was like watching a jet crash last night. And I think if you are the front office moving forward, it's very clear that you are a quarterback away from making a playoff run. Jets have had a long tradition of good wide receivers. They have that now. Garrett Wilson, even Elijah Moore, who's been difficult, is supremely talented. That's not new. Look at Krebets, Antonio Holmes, people of that kind of ilk. Decker even a few years ago. What they don't have is a quarterback because you've been used to Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, you've been used to kind of just getting through. Even Chad Pennington had his great games had his games where he was kind of a clunker. Zach Wilson is the worst Jets fans have seen in the last, I I don't know how many years, probably 20 years, since Pennington came around late 90s, early 2000s. So if I am the New York Jets right now, either I'm giving Mike White a full chance or I'm making some sort of trade for a veteran quarterback that's been around the block. I don't think this draft class is going to be for them in terms of selecting. If Caleb Williams was theoretically available, that's the guy I would go with because of the young uh, upside he brings, but that's not what you're going to be dealing with going into this off season. So I think your choice is either going to roll with Mike white, or you're going to go out and spend on a veteran quarterback. Last night was unacceptable because the defense held up just when you don't have a quarterback that can move the ball, your run game gets stifled, your offense becomes one dimensional. It's not rocket science. You're going to lose the game.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Mark Sanchez, you know, Smith, and they were just kind of meh for the, for the jets and Zach Wilson, just bad straight up. Um, so I know that's really painful, especially since he was the number two overall pick. So you're saying they there a quarterback away. He was supposed to be that quarterback that was going to get them away from mediocrity and end that, what's it going to be now, like 12-year playoff drought? Um, yeah, so, 2010-11. yeah. So it's frustrating I mean, because I don't think anyone's denying that Zach Wilson – I mean, he has the arm talent. He can make crazy throws. It's just the anticipation, uh, the decision-making – and at this point I feel like almost it's it's a mental aspect. I feel like he's in his head because I mean when you're at a home and you're getting booed relentlessly, I mean Colin you said you were there. So you I mean obviously you know better than anyone, but even from home watching on TV the 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 boos were loud for him.
1: It was a true um, Yeah.
2: So it's got to be it's got to be hard to be a Jets fan right now um cuz that team is really good around him. They have the the weapons. Gare Wilson is an amazing rookie wide achiever. Uh, everything I watch him, I feel like I'm watching a 10-year veteran with the stuff he does. I know he had that fumble, but that was just crazy how that even happened. Um, and the defense is playing amazing. I mean, you, this draft class uh, the Jets had was just uh, it's spectacular. It's unfortunate Brees all had to go down, but the future is bright for this Jets team. Uh, the quarterback issue, like many teams, uh, it's hard to solve. And when you have the number two overall pick, in a 2021 draft class that was thought to be a really good QB draft class, a lot of talented quarterbacks, and it almost sets your franchise back years. It's it's a hard pill to swallow, and it's hard to get forward from that. But uh, if there's any light at the end of the tunnel, it's uh, it seems like the Jets have hit on every other pick pretty much. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker is a stud. I know he's out, but Sauce Gardner is – I mean, you might have the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year on the same team, which is crazy in the AFC, so – Hopefully, in the offseason, like you said, a veteran, maybe Jimmy G. I don't know how Jets fans are feeling about that. I think that would be a decent option. Gino's a free agent after this year. Maybe a little reunion there. Uh, Who knows? But uh, yeah, quarterback away is definitely one way to put it.
0: Absolutely. And you guys make really good points about the, the team that's around Zach Wilson. I mean, last night, it's a perfect example. They only gave up one touchdown. The defense is showing up, and it must be so frustrating to be a Jets defensive player right now because they're. Like, they're a good team. Like, they are basically carrying this team to a potential well, – I don't know what the playoff situation is now for the Jets. That win, That loss definitely put them back. But it's just so frustrating. I'm not even a Jets fan, and I'm frustrated. I can't imagine what Jets fans are feeling right now. The people who went to the game are seeing a decent team around. Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson is just actually pulling this team back. And for a number two overall pick, and Colin, you mentioned signing a veteran quarterback. I think the only way that works is if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, because we've seen so many situations. Like we've seen it with the Panthers. We've seen it with the Colts. Going out and getting these mediocre veterans who are trying to have career resurgences hasn't worked. And I think it's happening more and more recently where these teams think, let's give Matt Ryan a chance. Let's trade for Matt Ryan. Let's let's give Baker another chance. Like it's not working out and I think that's honestly one of the last things the Jets need to do is try and roll the dice on someone who's been in the league for like 10 years I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a different circumstance because he knows how to win he's proven to know how to win and I think I'm high on Jimmy Garoppolo in a general sense so I think that would probably be their best move because unless they switch front office GM whatever I don't think their drafting strategy is the best clearly with Zach Wilson I mean outside of quarterbacks they drafted well but It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the Jets season plays out, but we're going to move into more playoff specific talk here. And the AFC South right now is really heating up and I'm someone who's a huge Titans fan. I'm from Memphis. I'm a, I'm a Tennessee resident. And this has been got to be one of the biggest implosions I've seen from a team ever. And I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans. It is crazy that the AFC South is even in play right now, considering the Titans started seven and three and the Jaguars started two and six. Nobody thought this, 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 this division would be up for grabs at this point, but leave it to the Tennessee Titans who implode so bad that this becomes a competition again. My first question to you guys is where do you, like, what do you make of the fact that Jaguars have a real and like, they control their uh, destiny here. If I mean, cause the Titans and the Jaguars play in week 18, the Jaguars, if they went out, they, the Titans are no longer in the playoffs. So I, wondering what you guys think of the potential of a Jaguars playoff run
1: well I think it will be incredible for Trevor Lawrence to do it considering where he started this season at that record but I'm looking more in terms of Mike Vrabel and what that says about him as a coach we've given Vrabel so much credit for being kind of that Belichick junior-esque guy at the helm that kind of knows what's going on he was a player he's very crafty in terms of the choices he makes. I mean even look at that win over New England a couple years ago in the playoffs he ran down the clock took penalties to try and really milk away every possible second Brady could have had with the ball, things like that gave him a reputation. So if this team implodes, even with an injury, I know Tannehill went down last week, not helpful to the Titans cause, of course, but to blow it like this is a different story. Like if the, if the Jaguars were good all year long and they had kind of just kept neck and neck with the Titans, I think we're talking about a different ball game here, but the fact that it was so lopsided and now it's getting really close, you got to look at Vrabel and say, what, what is happening right now? Even for the defense. There's been games where the defense should have played much better than they did, and as a former linebacker, I would expect better. I'd expect a better message in that locker room from Vrabel. I think sometimes he's the type of guy that falls into the too-cool-for-school trap where he's not willing to maybe you know, take the extra mile. He's not necessarily Dan Campbell would be my point. Not saying that Vrabel's a worse coach than Dan Campbell, but I think Campbell does some things better than a variable can do just based on personality.
2: Yeah. So I guess I'm going to look at this from the Jags perspective. Like you said, Julia, all they, all they need to do is win out and uh, they're playing Houston, uh, which should be a win. So it's basically, I feel like it's going to come down to that week 18 matchup uh, in Tennessee. Am I if I'm correct? No, at home actually in Jacksonville. So that's going to be a huge game. And I mean, before last night, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who had a rough uh, second month of the year since week nine before last night, he was leading the league in completion percentage, uh, connecting 70.4 of his attempts. And he was tied for second with 14 passing touchdowns and only one interception. So he was arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the last month. So his second year turnaround has been really nice to see. And that growth is amazing, especially after, I don't even want to call it a rookie year of what he had with Urban Meyer, because I think that's just like not fair for him. So he has an actual coach now with Doug Peterson, and they're looking really good. And I always thought the Titans were kind of overperforming uh, for themselves. Um, you know, they've dealt with issues. Uh, Malik Willis had to start a couple games for them. And I thought the talent wasn't always there. I mean, it'd be great to have a stud receiver. I know that that's Traylon Burks looks pretty good and you traded away A.J. Brown, uh, but I know Burks has been dealing with some injuries, um, and I know that's one of the reasons Mike Vrabel uh, kind of, I guess, pushed the hand of firing uh, the Titans GM because of that trade with A.J. Brown. So I do think Vrabel's a, a very good coach considering the talent on offense. Obviously, you have Derrick Henry, but outside of that, the weapons are kind of really not there for Ryan Tannehill, especially a Raw rookie quarterback in Malik Willis. I mean, no one, if you're a Titans fan, no one's trying to see Malik Willis start games this year. He's just not really ready that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. It's obviously one of the worst divisions in football, for being brutally honest, that in the NFC South. But um, I think it's really going to come down to, I mean, obviously the Jags, it's the Jags division to lose. And uh, the Titans play the Cowboys uh, the following week. So that's going to be a tough matchup for them. So I'm going to have to roll with the Jaguars here. Uh, I can call it an implosion, but I feel like it's kind of a falling back to earth type of deal here. And I guess the Jags are just getting hot at the right time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at this Titans roster, it's kind of hard to blame Rabel as much as it is easy to blame the front office. I mean, there is no receivers. Our best receiver is a rookie who is good. Like, I'm not going to say he's not good, but he came into a very, I, I think, unfair situation in a sense of, he was part of that night where we traded A.J. Brown and then immediately draft a wide receiver. I think the expectation was that he was going to take A.J. Brown's spot, and that's just unfair for a rookie who's never played in the NFL. And for the most part, like, he's been that wide receiver one. But for most people who aren't Titans fans, I don't think they can name more than two wide receivers on this roster. I don't think they can name a tight end they, just because we don't have any. And Tannehill going down, you know, I have my opinions on Tannehill. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's worth a hundred million dollars. We quickly, I mean, he just had one good season and we were all over it. We've spent a hundred million dollars on him and now we're paying the, the price for that. He's not, he's not that elite quarterback. He's not going to take you over the edge. And we're seeing that now. I mean, he's injured. We got Malik Willis. I have no confidence in Malik Willis ever since. I mean, he got us to, he got the Titans to the to overtime against the Chiefs, but he threw five for 19 in that game. You can't throw five for 19 in a game, even with Derrick Henry as your running back and expect to win football games. If Derrick Henry doesn't rush for 200 yards in these next few games, each game, I don't think we're going to win them. I think we live and die by Derrick Henry at this point. And it's, that's a tough, tough call, tough situation to be in for a team that's making a playoff push. But that's where we are now. It'll be interesting to see how the AFC South plays out. I obviously have my money on the Titans just because I think they have been in this situation more than the Jaguars. I think this is a great story for the Jags, but at the end of the day, it is Trevor Lawrence. He's been playing well, but I have the Titans getting out of this um, this division Colin I I know Joe already said who he has his pick on but Colin I want to hear who do you think gets this playoff spot the Titans or the Jaguars
1: I'm still going with the Titans to win this division even though logic would say the Jaguars are hotter right now but to your point about their lack of receivers or tight ends that can go out and catch the ball I don't know if that was ever the Titans strong so yes I knew they had a passing game with Tannehill for a couple years there but I don't see them as a team that's going to throw the ball 40 times and win. Even when everyone was healthy and you had A.J. Brown, that wasn't them. So you don't need Derrick Henry to run for a million yards. I think you just need him to run for enough early to set up play action and get you some easy deacon dunk plays with Willis. At least he can do that. That's more than what Zach Wilson can do right now. So if they can at least get some early big chunk plays rushing the football, it should open up more on offense. That's easy, quick play action down the road. So. I still like the Titans to win this division, although I think Vrabel might be on the hot seat if they don't.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, I think an implosion like that, you can't help but be on the hot seat after. I mean, do I think he'll get fired? No, but I think this will be a wake-up call. Like, listen, we've been on the cusp of making a deep playoff run for about five years now. It's time to actually take that step, figure out what you need, because we're in a win now mode and our roster suggests otherwise. So I think it's, we have to make some trades, make some free agent signings um, and then draft well at the end of the day, because I mean, for a team that's in a win now mode, you can't trade away AJ Brown. Like you just can't do that. So if man, it's, it's frustrating sometimes, but I agree with you, Colin, Joe, I wouldn't be surprised to see you be correct either. It's really a complete toss up at this point. But before we get into our picks for the week, there's another New York team we haven't talked about, and that is the New York Giants. They are coming off a, dare I say, this is a little controversial, fraudulent win last week as they, they won 20-12. to The game ended with a pass where the commander's receiver was simply being hugged by the Giants. I mean, I don't, one of the worst blown pass interference calls I've ever seen. And it was, it was a fourth down, game was on the line, so obviously the, the Giants ended up winning that game. Daniel Jones played decently went 21 for 32 160 yards Saquon was Saquon tacked on 87 yards and a touchdown overall good showing by the Giants not enough to to turn the needle in any sense of my confidence with them but Colin we'll start with you what did you make of this game
1: it's the Giants or at least what they are this year it's Daniel Jones plus Saquon Barkley plus a little bit of magic and you get a win that that's what the formula is right now. They're not a very talented football team. I think the commanders are far more talented than the giants in terms of personnel. If you're not getting those yards from Saquon, then you're relying heavily on Daniel Jones and he's not going to lead you to a win by himself. There's only a certain amount of quarterbacks that can do that in the NFL right now. Dable knows this too, as the coach, he's probably trying to do exactly what I propose the Titans do set up the run with Saquon, find some easy plays with Daniel Jones because we know we don't want to put too much on him. Otherwise it's going to unravel really quickly. So I think there is an understanding of that. I don't know. It's a little bit like the jets too. I think they would be far better without Daniel Jones. if You put someone else in there. This is just not the draft class where they were supposed to tank. Like I'm, I'm, I think if Caleb Williams and other guys were coming up this year, I'm not high. I'm, I'm Bryce young coming out of college. If that was the draft class, then the Giants should probably take a step back, try and get one of those guys, develop them with this very good coach, very good uh, starting of a defense. I think you're not there yet, but I think you see pieces on the move that could make a difference down the road. So right now, they're, they're just a football team that's riding on the seat of their pants. You're winning games by mediocre scores. You're not really blowing anyone out of the water. When you do win, it's just really smart. Clock management, which I do give Dable credit. I think Salah can learn a lesson from that. Uh, But overall, they're they're not a good football team. If they make the playoffs, huge, huge credit goes to Dable. Should win coach of the year for making it with this team. Uh, I thought they'd maybe win four games before the season started, maybe. I just wasn't high on, even with a healthy Slayton, even with Daniel Jones playing well, I didn't see them as that team. But you got to give them credit. They're willing to grind it out. Fraudulent win for sure. I think you're right, Julia, because they're just, they're not really a playoff team. They just kind of find ways to win, which I know that's contradictory. But if you put them up against a team like the Chargers, who has a very similar record, I have no doubt the Chargers are running all over them with Justin Herbert. To, to me, that's just indicative of the quarterback situation in each franchise.
2: Yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping that uh, <clears throat> this would be, this topic would be glossed over because I was at this game. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's not, not a fun time for me, but uh, I definitely agree with the fraudulent win uh, argument because, you know, I've had to argue that plenty of times when I got home. But um, yeah, I am on the same boat of, I think the Giants, and like you said, credit to will uh, they do find ways to win games, but it's like after watching a game, if you're a Giants fan. And it's not, oh, we won. It's, it's more like, how did we win that? Or, you know, you're, you're not feeling great about yourselves. Because I, I, that game was kind of a back and forth of, like, getting to the 50-yard line and then just stalling out. Um, and just who's better at finishing drives at that point. Um, and Daniel Jones didn't play amazing. But he didn't make, you know, didn't throw 50-yard bombs. Wasn't, you know, making the great plays. But he made the necessary ones, the checkdowns subtle moving it up the field. And then, you know, relying on Saquon, he had that touchdown out of the shotgun um, wildcat formation, uh, which is one of their only, their only touchdown. I mean, they had, the, I mean, on Thibodeau played amazing for the Giants, by the way. I mean, he is something that he's a player that you can look at and say, that's I maybe mean, Saquon, obviously, but the face of the franchise on the defensive side of the ball, he played amazing forced fumble touchdown. Um, and then from a commander's perspective for me, uh, definitely a little, frustrating for us uh because that's that was basically a playoff game that got flexed into the Sunday night football they the NFL wanted that game on prime time and that says a lot because it's Giants versus Commanders. So who doesn't want to, who wants to watch that game objectively but uh as essentially a playoff game and now the Giants are looking like they're gonna make the playoffs. Um I believe they're like a 90% chance now and I don't know what's gonna happen in the playoffs for them. I don't think they were gonna pull it out. Chargers if they buy them I don't think you know, I just don't see that happening. Um, but, you know, I, I like I, at least the Giants that have an identity of giving the ball to Saquon, riding Saquon. You have a pretty good defense. And, you know, Daniel Jones can play off that, play action. And Daniel Jones, I will give him credit. He knows how to run the ball. He's a, he's a pretty good runner, and he's eliminated those fumbling issues that plagued him his rookie, his rookie year in his second year. And he's, he's a game manager. He's not a great one. By any means, but he's a game manager, and for right now, for this Giants team, uh, for this season, uh, he's doing fine for them. And he always seems to kill Washington for sure. He turns into I know his nickname is Vanilla Vic. He turns into Vanilla Vic against us. It seems like every single time. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Colin, you make a really good point about the fact that the Commanders were probably the better team in this game, and it, it kills me for the Commanders because I mean they're that was a big game for them. I mean playoffs. You know, we're deep in the playoff hunt. That would have been a huge win. Uh, to, to capitalize on that point a little bit, it's, uh, it's very interesting because Washington led, actually, in that game in almost every team stat, including total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, and yards per play. So, you know, take that as you will. I mean, I think that's a big nod to Brian Dable's game plan and, and Daniel Jones' ability to manage a game. He reminds me a lot of Mac Jones last season um Mac Jones this season I feel like that would be a we'll get to the Patriots in just a second I know Colin is a big Patriots fan but I feel like comparing anyone to Mac Jones right now is probably a bit insulting but yeah I mean big win for the Giants like you said Joe uh it's just you don't feel great about that win you don't uh go home from that game thinking thank God like the the Giants are back I can't wait to go into this playoff season and that leads me to my next question Do you think, like, the Giants are probably going to make the playoffs. They could clinch as early this week with any of these falling. A a win this week, Washington loss, a Detroit loss, a Giants win, a Washington loss, a Seattle loss, or a Giants win, Detroit loss, and Seattle loss. So they could clinch as early as this week. So let's say they make the playoffs. What's the ceiling for this team? Could Could they win a playoff game? Could they win a wild card game? Colin, we'll start with you.
1: It depends on the matchup. I think there's certain teams they might be able to beat based on just past history, the way things have gone from them. So, like, I look at Minnesota. They could maybe beat Minnesota because I see Kirk Cousins as uh, a wounded time quarterback. quarterback. He's Yeah, primetime Kirk. He's a wounded quarterback on those primetime days. So if the Giants get that matchup, maybe they can win. There's certain teams I don't think they're going to be able to touch with a 10-foot pole. I think Philly is in that conversation. I think they'd have a really hard time with Dallas now that they're kind of coming together in the way that they are. San Francisco, forget about it. Not even a chance in the world you're beating them. If for some reason you sneak past the first round and then you get to match up with Brady and the Buccaneers, if they get that far, which is also a big question, if they even make the playoffs, you might be able to beat the Buccaneers or whoever comes out of the NFC South, which is something that Giants fans should watch carefully because you don't know if that's going to be the matchup. You don't know how the math will work out or the seating will work out. But down the road, this has kind of been the formula for the Giants to win Super Bowls in the past. Look at that year they first beat New England all the way back in 07, 08, I think it was. I think they were 8-8, eight and eight, something ridiculous like that. No one picked them to win. So sometimes all you need is a ticket to the dance. I mean, you never know what's going to happen from there. So I look at this team, and it's very similar to that initial Giant squad. The only difference is that Daniel Jones is nowhere near the quarterback that Eli Manning was. So it depends very much on the matchup. Certain teams they might be able to beat, others not a chance in the world, especially if they go on the road, which they will.
2: Yeah, and the NFC is wide open, um, if we're being honest. Uh, Obviously, the Eagles look like they're going to clinch up that first spot, but, you know, they lost to Washington at home. So anything can happen, Um, and the Vikings – you know, they had the the greatest comeback in NFL history, but to do that, they had to go down. What was it? 33, nothing. So they look like they're a beatable team. Um, So if you're a Giants fan, like we said, most of these wins are not really thinking to yourself, wow, can't wait for the playoffs. But then again, you have to look when you get into the playoffs, is there really a team that you're likely to play against that you're thinking we stand zero chance? Because I don't think that's the case with any of these teams really. I mean, the Bucks, the Vikings, and the, NFC, the whole NFC South, it looks very beatable right now. Um, and I, I mean, my prediction for the other wildcard spots, the Lions, and they're a hot team, but then again, they're the Lions, they're a young team. And, you know, the, the joke is they're always going to Lions, but um, I think that there's really no top dog in terms of like, oh, we stand no chance. So if you're a Giants fan, Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, uh, you're not winning pretty. Uh, you're not probably feeling great about how you're winning, but you are winning. And once you get to the dance, all you need is just to try. So I think they can put up a good fight for sure. And you know, we'll see what happens.
0: Absolutely. And you make a good point. I mean, even the great NFC teams, the one that have the best records, have glaring issues that can be exploited in, in any playoff game. So it's I think the AFC is a little more like you're gonna see the Chiefs, you're gonna see the Bills, like you're gonna see those teams make it far. But in the NFC. I think it's going to be a little bit like you know March Madness. Like, you there's going I feel like there's going to be upsets. You never I have I couldn't tell you truly who's going to make it out of the NFC. I mean, the fact that I couldn't be surprised the current six and eight Buccaneers could end up in the Super Bowl. Like that's a insane thing to say this deep in the season. But you know, if they make it in the playoffs, I'm not going to completely throw away Tom Brady, Tom Brady's chances. And same thing could be said for the Giants. You know. Matchups are important, I think, uh, with the way the playoffs are going to shape up in the NFC. I think, you know, if the if the ball rolls in their favor, they could see themselves making a, a Cinderella run to the I'm not going to say the Super Bowl by any means, but pretend, no. potentially an NFC championship. You never know. Um, Colin, you are laughing. I would know. <laughs> no, because,
1: because yeah. here's what here, look at the quarterbacks in the NFC. I know everyone wants to be positive with the Giants. You're not doing that with a game manager quarterback. If Brady is to make a a run, it's going to be because Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady. Same deal with any of these other quarterbacks, even Brock Purdy on the 49ers. If for some reason San Francisco makes this run and they're a favorite, so it's a little bit different story. It's going to be because Purdy can manage the game and make big plays when necessary. We know Daniel Jones can kind of sort of manage the game. We don't know if he can make really big plays. And quite frankly, other than Saquon Barkley, Who the hell is he making a big play to? There's no one to to throw the ball to. You have a better chance of me going out there to catch a pass at this point with the Giants receiving. So I get the argument that anything can happen. I do agree with that, but only against certain teams. Because even in the NFC, and you're right in the sense that the AFC has more of an upper echelon where you got the Chiefs, even the Bengals with Burrow. The NFC still has that upper echelon of quarterbacks right now. I put Jalen Hurts in that discussion this year because he's been unbelievable. I put somebody even like Dak in that conversation, not because I think Dak is an extraordinary talent, but I think he does things that at least limit your chances of losing, which is more than I can say about Daniel Jones at this time. So it's going to have to be against certain teams that Pat, I don't think there's a chance they beat a team like San Francisco and definitely not Philly this year.
2: Colin, so you don't think there could be a, a Kenny Galladay resurgence in the playoffs, no. maybe? If, if
1: Kenny Galladay shows up to a playoff game, I'd be surprised if he even takes a snap. I wouldn't put him in if I was Dable. Okay. I wouldn't do it.
0: But here's the thing. Hear me out, guys. I never, <laughs> never thought I'd be in the position of being the, the giant sympathizer here, but here we are. It's an NFL Friday. Anything can happen. I I mean, you look at this this team. They've had some big wins this season. They beat the Titans week one. I mean say what you want about the Titans, but the Titans had a really good start to the season. They beat, they were like seven and two at one point or seven and three at one point. And one of those three losses was against the Giants. they beaten the Ravens 20 to 24. They were in that game against the Cowboys. I mean, that game really went down to the, I mean, that was a Cooper Rush led Cowboys, but you know, it's still, I mean, still generally the Cowboys. I think given the right circumstance, a game manager is just that manages the game. If the defense can show up. Which the Giants' defense is okay. They're they can be great any any one game. I'm not I'm not completely sold on. A, I'm not, not by any means saying that the Giants are going to make some deep incredible playoff run for sure. I wouldn't put my money on it. But I'm just saying, come playoff time, if we're seeing a huge Giants run, I just want to say I called it. So one last thing that I want to touch on before we get into our picks and close out the show is Colin. In this in this Zoom meeting right now, we are joined by a, a Boston native, a Patriots fan, and boy, was last week not fun to watch as a as a just a viewer of football. I can't even imagine what it's like to watch it as someone who who's from the area.
1: Well, not not from the area, New, New York native, as, okay, as we okay. know. But um Yeah. Just that team. And just the way the offense is run right now is like watching a Pee Wee football team out there. It's just so bad.
0: Just to give a brief description on what happened last week, the Patriots and the Raiders were playing. And from what I understand, the Patriots were just trying to run off some clock to take it into overtime. So they, they lateraled it once. I was a little confused on why they even did it one time, but zeros on the clock, absolute zeros on the clock. No reason to do anything else. Um, but then they lateral it again, except this time straight to a Raiders defender who then returned it for a touchdown and ended the game. Absolutely. One of the worst mistakes I've seen in a game, especially for a team that's sub 500 and just, you just can't make that mistake this deep into the season or really at all, just as an NFL player who has like a brain for football. It, Watching that, I was stunned, and I would love to hear you guys' opinions on this.
1: The Patriots this year are 25th in total yardage. They haven't moved the ball very well. So when they make a boneheaded play like this, I look at it and go, yeah, that's a team that's just trying anything to win the game. That is a knock on the play calling. That's a knock on the job that uh, Belichick has done this year. For years, he was New England's savior. Bill, As long as they had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they had a chance. There's no Brady anymore. Now it's just Belichick. So this team as a whole has underperformed offensively. When I see something like that, it just speaks to the players don't believe they're going to win unless something miraculous happens. Daniel Jones begging him to throw the ball. And Bill Belichick has now outwardly insulted him a few times saying, no, we don't have the Hail Mary in our playbook. was something he said. I don't know how you say that and then have a working relationship with your quarterback who, by the way, yeah, he's not Brady. He's not Rogers. He's better than a lot of the other quarterbacks in the league. He's more accurate than a lot of the other quarterbacks in the league. So I don't understand where this school of thought is coming from in new England offensively, where I understand too, that the ground and pound is historically there in Belichick's mind. You don't need to do it. You have a couple of receivers. You don't have a Jamar chase. But Jacoby Myers, someone like Hunter Henry, guys like this, Devontae Parker can do something for you offensively. I don't quite understand this fascination with not letting Mac Jones be Mac Jones. I don't even think the staunchest Patriots fan is going to expect him to be Brady. No, no one expected Mac Jones to come in here and fill those shoes. So this team as a whole is just so disappointing. If, you, if you're the New England Patriots right now, you're strongly considering a reunion with Brady. And if you're Brady – you're strongly considering a reunion back in New England because I think the only two that can work together right now is Brady and Belichick in this equation. I don't see Mac and Brady working well. To- I mean, Mac and Belichick working well together. Bring Brady back home, Tom. It hasn't been really working out the last year and a half in Tampa Bay since you won the Super Bowl. Go back to New England. No one's going to care that you can't throw it 50 yards in the field. No one cared when you couldn't throw it 50 yards in the field the last year you were in New England. So. Just work with Belichick, one more run, see what happens. Because after that, you're going to have to rebuild the whole damn thing. And you shied away from it when Brady left the first time, and now it's bite you in the rear. You're going to have to tear it down eventually. It's just a matter of when and how you go about doing it.
2: Yeah, so I actually was not able to catch this game because I was at a tailgate at FedEx. And then suddenly I heard like this kind of um, like immense scruple after. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then I walk into the stadium, check my phone, and I just see everyone tweeting, uh, retweeting what happened and then comparing it to the uh, Colts' uh, fake punt play from like six years ago and saying we have a new worst play in NFL history. And uh, I I watched it, and I just couldn't believe what I was actually seeing with my eyes because that play is something you expect maybe, uh, I don't know, like a Jags team to make, like a team that's been perennially bad, Browns maybe not a Bill Belichick coached New England Patriots. That's honestly probably the last team I would expect to make a boneheaded decision like that. And obviously I think the pipe dream is Tom Brady coming back. And I think it's, I say pipe dream, but um, it's probably uh, honestly a decent chance of it actually happening um, when you look at it, because I don't know how much longer Brady, I mean, Belichick rather can go. I think he's trying to eclipse maybe the most wins of all time as a head coach. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Like, at this current state, it's going to be, what, seven a year, eight a year? Like, I don't think the roster is good enough for that to happen. And it's kind of shocking to me. I was I was looking over this this Patriots coaching staff, and there's not really that many coaches on it that are, like, future, like, you know, Belichick, tree, head coaching candidates. We got Joe Judge and Matt Patricia running, running the, each corner. You know, they're running the team, the offense. No one's re- hiring those dudes to be head coaches anymore again. Um, and the offense is just – like you said, 25th in yards, it's just a mess. Um, so it's almost kind of funny how they broke up, but it's kind of like the X that you need back. I think the the Patriots need Brady at this point because you're either looking at bringing back Brady and giving this one more go, for both of them, honestly, Brady and Belichick, or just completely tearing it down. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this offseason, so that'll be interesting.
0: Absolutely, and I think something that's really just – add salt to the wound is the fact that this loss took them out of the playoff picture. The Chargers jumped them in that specific loss. The Chargers are now in six, Patriots seven and seven. So that's just not only was it an awful decision to make, but it was devastating to your actual chances of making the playoffs. And I think you have to look at the offensive coordinator in this situation. I mean, terrible, terrible play calling offensively. And you already you already don't have like a stud quarterback. Like you have a Decent game managing quarterback, but with that you need good play calling, and we haven't seen it. And with Tom Brady, Tom Brady's not been killing it, and in Tampa Bay, Patriots haven't been killing it as a team. I think it's a mutually beneficial decision if Tom Brady were to want to come back to New England and and play a season or two back in Foxborough and, and finish out his career. I think if you would have asked me if Tom Brady's ever coming back to New England when the like two years ago, I would have said absolutely not. Like this is a great situation, but. Things change, and now it looks like this would be a good choice. Whether or not it happens, that's to be seen. But it'll be interesting to see how the offseason plays out for the Patriots in particular. It could either be super boring or one of the craziest. Because, like, what do you do with Mac Jones in that situation? A lot of things, a lot of things to be seen. But we're going to finish out the show here with some rapid fire score predictions and winning predictions. We are going to uh, go around all the matchups this week outside of a couple that have no playoff contention between either teams, but other than that, we're gonna go through all of them. And the first matchup we're gonna start with guys, the Fal- the five and nine Falcons are traveling to Baltimore to play the nine and five Ravens. Colin, we'll start with you.
1: I'm gonna take the Ravens in this one based on culture and the fact that the Ravens are home. I don't see this as a particularly great contest. I don't know if I'll be watching this one, especially if Lamar is out. I'm I'm not up to date on his status. I know he was out last week, so he's out. Uh, he's out. Even, for game. he's still out. So yeah, I'm still taking Baltimore based on a culture win. I don't think Atlanta is a team that knows how to, how to win. Uh, we know that from Super Bowl Fifty One. But yeah, uh, I take the the Ravens at home uh, by maybe a touchdown or more.
2: Uh, I'm gonna go with the Falcons here. Um, <clears throat> the Ravens did not look good at all. They put up what three points against the Browns last week. Uh, and Tyler Huntley is a cool story. Uh, I like him. He's a solid backup, but he's not really doing anything with his arm. It's, it's pretty much mostly legs with him. And I don't know, I, this, this Ravens team, I think they're kind of limping into the playoffs. And I mean, obviously, when you lose your franchise quarterback, that hurts. Um, so hopefully they can get him back. But I'm going to take the Atlanta 17-14 here.
0: Yeah, um, I have Lamar Jackson on my fantasy team. This has been an all-time low for me. In fantasy, I think I'm like five and, and a lo- five wins and a lot of losses. Um, so, and a lot of that can be attributed to the past few weeks of Lamar Jackson simply not playing. So And when he is playing, he's not playing amazing either. So that's a side note. But I, I think it's going to be a closer game than people initially think because Lamar is not in Tyler Huntley. I, I plugged him into my fantasy team. He's doing absolutely nothing. Um, so, you know, I think the Ravens pull this one out just because it's not Marcus Mariota behind center either. It's, uh, Desmond Ritter and he's a rookie, you know, I think this is just a situation where you want to get him snaps. I see the, the Ravens winning this one, but I, I don't think it's going to be a fun one to watch either. I think it's going to be something in the ballpark of like 17, 13, 17, 10, but I have the the Ravens winning this one. So we're going to move on next to a very interesting team who's still in the playoff hunt, though. The seven and seven lions are traveling to the Panthers who are currently five and nine. What do you think on this one?
1: Give me the lions 24 to 13. I think this is going to be a statement game for them. I don't believe in Carolina's defense. And I think Jared Goff has been undervalued as of late. So I think Jamison Williams will also have a nice game for Detroit 24, 13 Detroit.
2: Yeah, I'm also going to be taking Detroit. This is uh, the ride in high. Uh, I guess if they went out there, they, you know, they kind of control their own destiny here. So uh, not a huge believer in the Panthers, although I'm liking what I'm seeing from Stan Darn a little bit. Maybe he can start for them next year, but uh, not this weekend. I'm taking the the Lions. I think 31-21 is a fair score.
0: Yeah, you guys are – I mean, Joe, you, you're kind of in the same ballpark as me. I mean, forgetting the Lions' defense is pretty bad. I have the Lions winning this one, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think the Lions are truly capable of blowing too many teams out just because their defense is meh, too bad. Uh, I see that the Lions are going to win this one. I mean, they started one and six, six and one since. They are absolutely hot. Offense is too good for Carolina. Still a high scoring game. I have 41 to 34 Detroit. So next on the slate, we've got the 11 and three Bills traveling to the 3 and 11 Bears.
1: Buffalo. 27 to 10. I think this is just yet another game where culture wins out. The Bills have built the winning culture. Maybe not their prettiest season as of late, but Josh Allen will get it done. I like them to win easily in Chicago.
2: Yeah, I kind of, man, this is going to sound crazy, but, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm taking the Bears, dear. Now, hear me out, you know. The, uh, but, you know, the Bills are obviously better record better Team, but this kind of it seems like the Bears the last six seven weeks with Justin Fields kind of becoming you know their their franchise quarterback in the last month and a half they seem to be in every game late and then something happens and they lose and, and I look at the Bills and it seems like a lot of their games have not been you know convincing blowouts you know they almost you know if it wasn't for that uh, for the Lions' perspective where they lost the Bills on Thanksgiving it, was, it came down to a field goal. About the Lions winning seven, eight straight. So the Bills have kept op- opponents in it and uh, Justin Fields is a dynamic player and he's currently, you know, just running the heck out of the ball. Um, so maybe uh, I'm kind of looking at this as a, as a shootout uh, of sorts because the Bears are, you know, they can move the ball. It's just finishing drives. Um, maybe they get their kind of feel good win of the season, <clears throat> beating a great Bills team. And for the Bills, A loss here isn't going to do much for you. You're still going to get in the playoffs. We'll be fine. So maybe there's more motivation for the Bears to say, hey, this is our game. Let's win this. Let's let's have a good statement win here. So I'm going to take the Bears. Big score here, 38-35.
0: And I am kind of on the same same wavelength as you. I I noted that this could be a sneaky game. I think the Bills will still win this. But I think Justin Fields himself is better than their record shows. And like you said, a lot of these losses aren't, blowout it's like they could have this record could easily be closer to 500 um I still have the bills though I think it's going to be 21 to 17 Buffalo um I don't know if they're yeah they're playing in Chicago so it's cold there right now and not saying that either of these teams aren't used to the cold I mean this is Buffalo and Chicago here but I think that could affect how much we see it actually scored um I think if this is just a, a general game the score would be higher but Weird weather conditions always affect football games in different ways. I don't see this either team cracking 30 of 21-17 Buffalo. We're going to move on here to, I think it's going to be an interesting game. The The 7-7 seven and seven Seahawks going to Kansas City 11-3. I have been watching the news today, and this is not like sports news, but they're going out of their way to say this Chiefs game is going to be one of the most bitterly cold games we've seen actually played. Like, well into the negatives. I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Colin, what do you think?
1: This is my sneaky game. I'm taking the Seahawks to beat the Chiefs in a slog. Due to that temperature, I just think Seattle has the type of offense that can ship away at you bit by bit, You know that kind of death by a million paper cuts approach. I'll take the Seahawks by a score of 27-23. I think Geno Smith will be serviceable. I think he'll make one or two big plays that help his team win. Mahomes will be Mahomes, but in this type of temperature, controlling the clock could benefit Seattle.
2: I want to take the Chiefs here. I think, <clears throat> I think, like you guys said, I think it's going to be a close game uh, because of that weather factor. And uh, definitely the Chiefs are – I mean, the, rather the Seahawks are more used to that. Um, and, you know, they'll have uh, they'll have their uh, fans – or it's actually in Kansas City, sorry, uh, they won't have the fans behind them, but Kansas City will. But it seems like uh, the Chiefs generally always play well on Arrowhead. And um, they're they a better team, in my opinion. I don't think anyone's arguing that. And when you look at the Seahawks, they are fighting for a playoff spot here in the wild card. So they might be more motivational. on the line, but you know, this, this to me seems like maybe a Mahomes takeover game. It's not going to be a high scoring game by any chance because of that weather factor. Um, but, and I think the Seahawks defense is pretty decent, but uh, I'm going to take uh, Kansas city here at 21-10. It
0: gets cold in arrowhead. And I'll tell you that I went to the uh, right before COVID, I went to the 2019 AFC championship game when, it was the Chiefs and the Titans in it. It gets very cold there. Um, I think uh Mahomes probably used to this at this point. this is another situation where I don't think either team is going to be stunned by this weather. I think you know, it's different than like if the Buccaneers or the Dolphins were traveling in this situation. Um, I think it'll be pretty even in that that regard, but I, I think this is gonna be a statement game for the Chiefs. I have them, I have a 35-21 Kansas City, you know. I think the Seahawks, the the momentum behind the the Seahawks, the hype behind the Seahawks, rather. I think it's run its course. Gino's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's he's ready for that next step to make a real playoff push. But we'll see how that goes. Um, next is we got the New York Giants, 8-5-1, and traveling to Minnesota, 11-3. and Important to know this is a 12 o'clock game, not prime time. So Colin, let me know what you think.
1: I'll take Kirk Cousins in this one. I think it will be close because Brian Dable has proven he can coach the Giants into playing uh, good teams closely. So I will take the Minnesota Vikings 26 to 23. I think Kirk Cousins does his job. I think they do win by a field goal, ultimately, though, especially given they're at home. If this was in the Meadowlands, maybe I swing Giants. But because it's in Minnesota and it's the first time they're playing this season, I'm going to take the Vikings to win.
2: Kirk Cousins, 1 p.m. on a Saturday. Give me the Vikings all day. That's free money right there. Um, At home as well. But, yeah, this is prime Kirk Cousins time. So, when no one is watching. So, um, I'm going to take the Vikings here. It also seems like the Giants, when they're not playing, the Washington Commanders recently uh, are getting blown out of the water. So, I'm going to have a a riding the momentum type of win for the Vikings here. High scoring game for them, 35-20 Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be the game that brings the Giants, like, back to earth. Like, okay, this is the kind of team we actually have. Um, like you said, this is, this is primetime Kirk Cousins. Noon on a, on a Sunday, or Saturday, rather, I guess. Um, I think the Vikings, they just know how to win. And coming off of a huge win last week, I mean, they're they're riding high right now. I'm at 31-21 Minnesota. I mean, the Giants really need this, but at the end of the day, they're, they're just not a better team than the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so I think the Giants are going to move to 8-6-1. and one. Next, we have another interesting one. We got the ten and four Bengals traveling to Foxborough, playing the seven and seven Patriots.
1: Slaughter. It's going to be a slaughter. I'm taking the Bengals by a score of forty two to twenty two. I just don't see a world where New England wins this game, even at home. I think it's going to be close early, and then at a certain point, the wheels will come off the bus. I think Jamar Chase is going to have a heyday because New England's going to focus very deeply on making sure nothing gets over the middle of the field. He's going to beat you outside the numbers. Burrow's going to be able to hit those throws all day long. The offensive play calling is not going to be able to keep up and give Mac Jones the opportunity to air the ball out and the slaughter. New England's losing this one by 20.
2: Yeah, I'm also taking uh, Cincinnati here. I don't know if you want to call it 34-17 a slaughter, um, but I think it's going to be a pretty convincing win for them. Uh, I could see them getting into the forties. I don't know that that loss to the Patriots in that locker room has to be pretty demoralizing. And even though you got the check back there, it seems like that's just hard to recover from.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with you guys on this one. I think the Bengals are going to take care of business. I don't think it's going to be an absolute slaughter just because I mean, with you know, when you have a game managing uh, QB, it's kind of hard to, I think we're going we're gonna to see a lot of long offensive drives, uh, not huge scoring by their team i think it's gonna be 27 17 cincinnati but i could see like after halftime the wheels coming off i wouldn't be absolutely stunned to see this turn into like a 40 to 12 game but right now i have 27 17 cincinnati now we're moving on to one that you know you think should be a blowout but then you look at the teams the one in the one 12 and one texans are traveling to nashville to play the seven and seven titans let's hear what you guys have to say about this
1: I'll take the Titans by a score of 23 to 20. I think the Texans will keep it close. Uh, I This is closer than people might think, as you mentioned. But given the fact that Tennessee is at home, I like their chances to win. You got to control the clock. That I think that's the moral of this week for me. Teams that will be able to control the clock, even if they're a little disadvantaged, could win these ballgames. Tennessee is in that boat. Julie, I don't
2: think i are going to like this one. Um... Sorry. Uh, I I, I know. I I love the upset. I love the underdog. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans here. Uh, They, they took the chiefs to overtime, which I know they were home, but you're lying. If you told me that you thought that was going to happen. So I don't know. This could be like a little sneak it out, you know, again, they look back on the Texans and think, Oh, we should not have won that game if it hurts draft implications, but I, I like, I like the Texans in this one. I know they're on the road, but I, I'm not really a fan of where this Titans team is going with Malik Willis, especially now under center, because you were struggling to throw the ball with Ryan Tannehill because you have no threat on the perimeter, and now you have a quarterback who literally can't throw the ball too far uh, and too well. Uh, so, I'm give me the uh, Texans here. I'm gonna go 24 21.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the ugliest games we've seen this season as far as what you see on the offensive end. Um, I think the Titans' defense is good. like We have a good defense, and the Texans are not very good just in a general sense, but I still think this is going to be a gross, ugly game, low scoring. I have 13 to 10 Titans just because that's just what we've generally seen from them. Uh, I don't think having Malik Willis as your quarterback can warrant anything more than 20 points. Um, unless Derrick Henry goes crazy and has like a four touchdown game, which, you know, I can never bank on. So I have 13-10 Titans. If the Titans lose this game, I'm calling the season over, moving to seven and eight after starting seven and three. That's just embarrassing. You know, one good thing that could come out of this is if we miss the playoffs this season, I think it's finally time to like, look at replacing Tannehill long-term. We're going to move over to... The Commanders and the 49ers, the Commanders are 7-6-1. and one. Niners are 10-4. and four. What do we think?
1: I'll take the 49ers by a score of 28-21. to 21. I think this is going to be kind of a clinical game for San Francisco. They're going to run the ball a lot. Purdy's going to get his chances. But at the end of the day, San Francisco might have the best holistic roster in the NFL right now. No reason they shouldn't win this game at home against the Commanders.
2: Yep. Yeah. I – this is tough for me because um, I'm kind of getting similar – I know that game was – the little, some of that football game for, for Washington was a letdown. Uh, that's one way to put it. But I'm kind of getting – and Taylor Heine, he got out this at his uh, press conference on Monday saying that he's – the team kind of has the same mantra going into this game that they had when they faced off against the Eagles on primetime and that, you know, no one expects us to win. Um, and honestly, that at this point, should be their mantra every game. But um, I think uh, I'm going to have to take – I'm going to take Washington here solely because I think defense is actually really good. Um, they've held opponents to, like, under 20 points a lot recently. And if you look at last week's game, if Taylor Heineke holds onto the ball where he fumbles and it leads to a fumble six in the end zone and then a fumble where you kill a drive that you were hoping to get six on or you at least were going to get three on, they win that game. So I'm going to go a low-scoring game because I think, you know, Purdy's still injury concerns are there. I think he'll still play, obviously. He didn't even throw the ball last week and still went out there. So I'm going to take a low-scoring game here. I think Washington's defense steps up, and uh, hopefully Heineke can hold on to the ball. Maybe we'll see Wentz if it doesn't go well by halftime. I've heard that's a possibility for Washington fans and for the team. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm going to go Washington uh, 20-10. to
0: Yeah, I have an upset here, too, I think. I mean, the commanders are fighting for the playoff life. And, you know, how long can Brock Purdy magic last, especially if he's coming off an injury? I have, I have an upset here, 28 to 24 commanders. be interesting to see how that turns out. We have a, have a couple more left here. So next we've got the Eagles and the Cowboys. Colin, what do you think?
1: I'll take the Dallas Cowboys at home with the upset. I think Vegas has Philly as a favorite based on record. But given the Cowboys are at home, it's going to be on Christmas Eve. Big crowd, I'm sure, will show up for this one. I think they're due for a win like this that puts them in that, oh, they're really in the NFC type of conversation, that they could win that conference. So I like Dallas to win this one. Give me a score of 33 to 30. I'm
2: going to agree with you here, Colin. I think... um... Dallas, uh, you know, especially Dak, they had to be extremely frustrated after what transpired last week with that pick six. It wasn't even its fault. Um, and you got the statement game on Christmas Eve at home division rival. Uh, you know, basically for a statement of, yes, that we can compete in this conference in the playoffs. And I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be the game of the week. I'm going to have Dallas uh, going ahead. 38,
0: 35. I have Dallas just wiping the floor here. I mean Jalen Hurts isn't playing. It's gonna be Gardner Minshew led (laughs) Eagles team. And the 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 Cowboys are good. They're a good team. I think it's gonna be somewhere in the ballpark of like 30 33 14. I think if Jalen Hurts is playing, we have a different conversation. But yeah, I think I think the Cowboys are going to get their statement win that they've been looking for. Um the Eagles offense outside of Jalen Hurts is like pretty good. I mean AJ Brown is incredible but my my stock in Gardner Minshew isn't exactly super high. So we'll see how that one turns out. Next, we've got the Green Bay Packers traveling to Miami to play the Dolphins.
1: I'll take Green Bay to win this one. I think they're riding momentum. Rogers had that kind of look on his face after the last win of like, all right, we're not out of the playoff picture. I'm not the most fervent Aaron Rodgers supporter, as you know, guys. I have to take Green Bay here. I just think the momentum's too much on their side. I'll go 25 to 21.
2: I'm going to take the uh, Dolphins here, back in the sun, back in the warmth. Uh, You know, it's been cold a couple weeks with them recently. Um, And, you know, they're they're still in the playoff picture. They're hanging on there with the Chargers. So I'm going to go Miami here 31-21.
0: Yeah, I have Miami as well. I mean, this Green Bay season should just be a wash at this point. I have, I mean, simply put, I have Miami just taking this one somewhere in the ballpark of 24 to 13, 24 14, maybe. Um, next, we've got Tampa Bay traveling to Arizona. Should be an interesting one. Just looking at records, it's not a great game, but Tampa Bay's still in the playoff race. So, what do you think, Colin?
1: Brady, all day. I think this is the type of game where you see Psycho Tom come full circle for those that remember there were games where he entered another stratosphere in new England and no one knew where it came from. I think this is one of those games where he will carry them to some sort of a victory in terms of score. That's kind of hard to say because I haven't been impressed by the holistic offense of the Buccaneers, but if I'm assuming Brady will carry them to that victory, give me something close to 2220, just something that a couple touchdowns for him, maybe a rushing touchdown for Tampa Bay, nothing crazy. Closer game, given where they are now, but a momentum win going forward.
2: Yeah, I'm also going to take the Buccaneers here, and I'm really not looking forward to this game because I'm kind of a hater, I guess you could say, of both Buck the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. I don't know. I just don't – I don't really like either team. Um, but when you look at this game in particular, I think this is going to be a pretty easy one for Tampa Bay, considering who's a quarterback for, for Arizona, Trace McSorley and a state like you know that's not gonna do it against I don't even think if they had Kyler they would win this game so uh, I think this is gonna be a pretty easy win for the Bucks here I'm gonna go 28-7 uh, Tampa Bay
0: yeah uh, I think this is a statement game for for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay I mean they're making a playoff push now and Arizona is not and again Arizona's without uh, Kyler Murray I, I have this one being hmm Let's, I'm going to say 27-13. I think that's a, good, that's a good score for that. And we're going to round it out here with Monday Night Football. The Chargers are traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts.
1: Chargers. Justin Herbert will have a heyday in a dome against the Colts. Don't love the play calling that L.A. has been throwing out there lately. The Colts are a mess of a team. Credit to Jeff Saturday for getting them through the mess. He kind of got thrown into the fire, so to speak. I don't think we've seen the last of him as a head coach, even when this experiment fails. By the way, but that's a conversation for another day. I'll take Herbert and the Chargers to get a win. I'll take a score of thirty to twelve.
2: Yeah, considering the Colts literally hired a high school football coach, um, I'm going to take a you know professionally ran team here in the Chargers. Um, also, in, regardless when you blow a thirty-three point to zero lead, um, it's going to be hard to come back the next week with that same fire and try to win so I'm gonna take the charges here uh pretty pretty big margin of victory here 35 14.
0: Yeah same I mean you just this you you couldn't say couldn't upset it better this Jeff Saturday experiences or experiment is just and the experience is absolutely terrible no no reason this should have happened to begin with like, there are people out there saying, like, oh, this could be, like, the coolest thing ever. Like, what if he's a secret genius? This is the NFL. There, there are people out there who are at least proven in some way who have NFL, like, there's plenty of guys out there who could have stepped into this role, probably within your actual organization, who could have made a more understandable impact than...
1: I think he's not a okay. terrible coach, though. He's unexperienced, inexperienced. I give him that all day long. He in high school. I think eventually you're going to see Jeff Saturday be a coach someplace else in the NFL. Because if nothing else, the fact that he's gotten the team through the season—they had a couple of uh, games where they maybe should, uh, the Philly game to me is the prime example—that would have I think been two in a row for them during the, the Jeff Saturday tenure. You win that game, the narrative is different because of where where Philly was at that time, where they still are in terms of records. So. Yeah, the experience has been something to behold, as you mentioned. He probably shouldn't have gotten this gig, but it was not crazy to think that eventually Jeff Saturday, who is a smart football guy, would get a head coaching job or at least a coordinator job somewhere. So,
2: not I the just I, dis- I don't dislike Jeff Saturday. I'll say that when I say high school coach, it's just I kind of feel like the experience of how he's uh, of his tenure. I guess it's not say, but we'll use it here with the Colts. Um, it's kind of been like. It started out the bang with that win against the Raiders in this first game. And then you had the Eagles game. And then these last couple of weeks, it's kind of, kind of the same thing with that in terms of you start out really well. I think with the Cowboys – or uh, the Cowboys, yeah, they were in it and then just completely threw the game away and ended up losing by like 40. And then with the Vikings, obviously, you go up 33 nothing, and then you choke the greatest lead in NFL history. So it's kind of like a car that's running out of gas – you know, the, the 1988 just beat up vehicle that can't run anymore. Uh, it's kind of this cold team right now. I don't think they're going to bring him back. Um, but, you know, down the line, maybe I think he's a great guy and a great motivator. But uh, I think you need to have some tactical skill when it comes to a scheme and NFL standpoint. And I think that's been on full display with them recently. But, yeah, I think he's a good guy for sure.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't hate him being a coach one day. I just think there's a exactly. a, a bit of a, a ladder that you should climb before you get a head coach position in the NFL. Maybe a coordinator? Maybe a scout. You know, there's position they're,
2: coach, even just yeah. well, position coach, assistant position coach, yeah. something.
0: There's a lot of options here that you could you could build up before becoming a head coach of a national football team, uh of National Football League team. And I think, you know, just the 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 idea that putting him right into a head coaching spot, I've just, I never agreed with. If anything, promote your offensive coordinator to head coach and make him the offensive coordinator. And if that doesn't work, promote him to head coach next season. If things are going well with him in that offensive coordinating position. But I digress. I, in all, just to tie a bow onto this, the Chargers are going to clean house here. Like that's my prediction. I think it's going to be not pretty. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a great game. I have this being in the ballpark of 35 to 14. But that'll just about wrap up. I mean, that was a very long segment, but we have so many good games this week. It'll be a great, great week of football. Christmas is coming, Christmas Eve football, Christmas Day football, and of course we got Monday Night Football. It'll be an action-packed week, but that'll, that'll do it for us from WFUV Sports. This is NFL Friday. Thank you for listening.